Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Jesse Skittrell. He, in my opinion, is a major disruptor of the beauty industry in the best way possible. He is making changes and strides in our industry that are way long overdue, and I am excited to get time to chat with him, and I have 8 million questions for him, and I know that you all will too when when we're done talking today. So thank you, Jesse. Welcome to the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to play. You're welcome. I was so great. It was so great to hear back from you and that you were into doing it because there's nothing I would rather do than spend my day talking to another colorist. Um, <laughs> it just never gets old. My my children keep saying, do you want to like play paddle ball or, you know, yeah. do you want to play mahjong like other, other moms do? I'm like, nope, yeah. nope, no, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So the first thing, first things first, um, of course, I love Facebook and social media and all things that keep us connected. And with the last year that we've all had, thank God for it, or I'd be banging my head against the wall. Um, Our mutual friend, Peggy, um, I follow her on social media and she had made the announcement that you were taking over what was formerly the ABCH. So I wanted to talk about that because, you know, it has such a great reputation in the industry and we all know, you know, a small group group of people, as much as we try to make a difference, it's difficult and, and there's trials yes. along the way. So I'm glad that it's oh, yeah. not completely dying and that you all are taking over. So let's talk about that. Well, um, yes, we uh, we didn't necessarily take over the ABCH. We created another organization called the Board of Certified Hair Colors. And what we did is we took over the mission that the American Board Certified Hair Colors and Andre Nizatich had started it, with the certification process because unfortunately it was dying a slow death because partially because of COVID that was the ultimate demise. But there were some issues before that um, with health issues with the founder and it would just kind of going. And I had been contacted by them. I've been teaching for the ABCH summit for 19 of the last 20 years. So um, I got board certified. I think it was the second group that got board certified in Seattle, Washington, um, way back in 97 way, you know, so I'm older than dirt. And um, we it felt like it was something that was necessary because I do run an apprenticeship program and everything we do is online. They approached me initially and said, Hey, how do we take this online? And as we were beginning to work through that process, it became painfully clear that things were just coming to a close for the ABCH and it just wasn't a viable opportunity anymore. And, you know, we love it and care for it. And we wanted to take the certification and take that to the next level. So we've been able to put it online. So we're um, test, we've already tested out our first beta test group. And which were some of the holdovers from the ABCH. So they handed us the assessment and said, hey, we have all these people that 
are dying to test that were paid before COVID and so on and so forth. And they're sitting here kind of in the, the wings. And so here's the list. And we reached out to them. And those were our first group that went through. And we had a 50% pass rate. It's been very exciting. And we're getting ready to start our next group this next Sunday, um, as a matter of fact. So it's kind of exciting. That's awesome because I did see the sheer panic in the comments when Peggy made the announcement. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I already did it and I just didn't take my test. And what about this? And I paid and right. you know, all of those things that you know are right. difficult to deal with. So kudos Absolutely. to all of you for picking up where that left off because yeah. I can only imagine the stress oh, of yeah. trying to balance, you know, who is where in their journey and all of those things. Oh. I yeah. was talking about you last night. I had the pleasure of meeting Gary Call at a little small oh. get together in Florida and your name came up. I said something and he said, well, you need to talk to Jesse. I'm like, funny, you should say that. I'm talking to him tomorrow. It's tomorrow. perfect timing. Um, uh, but what you're doing with your apprentice program is my absolute dream come true. I've owned my salon for 32 years. I've been behind the chair for 35 from the time that I stepped out of beauty school, my complete and total frustration has always been the guided mentorship that was so needed in getting mm -hmm. me from clueless and pretty much, I was pretty much overly confident and underskilled. Most people have the other uh -huh. problem. I was like, oh, I got this. And I would just try to do anything and not well. <laughs> so um, that, you know, going into a small salon, I had no one to teach me. So I left yeah. to go into a big salon and then I became lowest man on the totem pole, towel girl, shampoo girl, and fought my way through by going to my own education, paying for it myself, learning on yeah. my own and pushing through as a colorist saying, I'm not shampooing for you anymore. Like if you don't put me behind right. the chair, I'm leaving because you're holding me back. Um, but since that point, I just keep struggling with the how. I know the why and I know that the thought behind it and the passion behind it, but the how has become so overwhelming to me because first I looked into how do I open a beauty school and maybe try mm. and do it differently. And the numbers that were coming back to me with the investment, I just had this uh -huh. conversation with Mickey Wright uh, two days ago. I said, 500,000 to open a school. If I had 500,000 laying around, I wouldn't want to open a school. I would want to be on a beach somewhere between right. my ties. Not exactly. working. So yep. I get it. I get why the struggle is there with beauty schools, but I also don't get why they're not seeking other alternatives the way that you have created that and are thriving in it. And I need to know Thank more. You. And I know people are listening are like, what? <laughs> what is she talking about? So tell me how that all works. Well, um, it, it's it's kind of interesting just to understand my background. First of all, I come from six generations of hairdressers. Oh, so, wow. and my my mom and my grandmother owned a beauty school. So I was raised in the back room of a beauty school, but my uncle owned a salon about two blocks away and he was a wig master for the Seattle Opera. So my time was either in the back room of a beauty school. So I got to play pseudo student or it was in the back room of the salon playing pseudo apprentice. So I had those experiences as a very small child growing up. So it was a completely different story. When I got out of cosmetology school, I still owed, and I'm, this is a, not a new story. I went back to the school immediately and said, hey, I want to become an instructor so that I could pay off my student loan. So I went and became an instructor. So I completely understand the beauty school teaching and the whole bit, and it's in my blood. The challenge I had was when I became a salon owner, and, it, and it's a very similar experience with a lot of us, is we don't hire personalities. We hire licenses. 
that means that we don't necessarily have a cultural fit. So we hire a license and we hope they fit. We hope we made the right selection. Nine months, 18 months down the road, we put a lot of time and energy into this person just to find out that they're not a good fit. They don't want to do hair. They drop out. We have an 86% dropout rate in our industry. It's just mm. ridiculous. Five years after you get a license, the over three quarters of the people are no longer in the industry. We have an, a 76% dropout rate in school. So it's obnoxious. And unfortunately, as we all know, every instructor worth their salt will say, you'll learn everything you need to learn once you get out of school, because we have a license to learn and we have a license to not pass on bacteria. That's really all they have time to do. No fault of the beauty schools. The yes. hours are extremely limited. That's all they can do is teach you to hold scissors and not pass on bacteria. Good luck. So, <laughs> and, and unfortunately, you have a cycle that happens where you have people who haven't really done it because you have a lot of myself included I got out of school and immediately went into teaching well I don't really know how to do it behind the chair those are two different things I know how to read a book and regurgitate that information on you two different things so yes. once I became a salon owner I felt I found myself falling into this cycle of having to train and retrain and having to train and retrain and I thought and every salon owner has said it at some point god if I could just hire the right person and I train them myself I would be so much better off I'm spending time, energy, and money. So yeah, I'm from Washington State, and I knew there was this kind of pseudo program called apprenticeship, and I had taught a couple of classes for them, so on and so forth. And I had uh, one of my receptionists came to me one day, and I absolutely adored her. I loved her. Her name was Mikey, and she owns a salon right now. Um, and she said, hey, I'm going to quit. I'm going to go to beauty school. And I'm like, oh, hell no. I love you. And <laughs> not, I, on my watch. I think, not on my watch. So I climbed in and said, Hey, what, what's happening with apprenticeship? And we got involved with the apprenticeship program and it was a mess. I'll be the first to say it was a mess. I did not do Mikey justice. And every time I see her, I apologize because it was kind she figured it out. She's a smart girl. She figured it out. She figured out the curriculum, but I was that salon owner. And it's what you just said. I don't know how to do it. It's I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get mm -hmm. to it. She was a success, a success and got through and got licensed in spite of me. But after she was done, it caused me to step back and go, I didn't do her justice. How could I do this better? And there's got to be other salon owners like me. So we started developing our apprenticeship program and our apprenticeship program is designed to be hands off, which scares the hell out of people. And initially it was designed for, um, a friend of mine in Seattle here started an organization called Justice and Soul. And Justice and Soul is a group that helps uh, people that have been trafficked mm. to gain a career in our industry. Well, what he did is he went outside the US, he went to Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and he started a high-end salon. And they do apprenticeship and they help people there. That's their international efforts. And then he's moving that around the world. They needed a domestic effort. And Taking that individual and putting her in cosmetology school, as we all know, does not end well. And it didn't. And their first experience, it was like, okay, we got to do something different. So I designed the program around that so that this individual could find a home salon. We could still provide them the structure and the tracking, but at the same time, they're, they were being nurtured by their network of, at home. And so it, it kind of grew into this thing. So the program, what we do is we're called what's called a sponsor program, and it started in Washington State initially, which unbeknownst to me, is one of the hardest states to actually get something like this going. Um, and so what we do is we provide the curriculum, 
we provide the testing, we provide the tracking, we provide the coaching, we provide all the HR actually that's wrapped around running a program. All you have to do as the salon owner is make sure that they're an incredible hairdresser and commit the time to teaching the hands-on skills. We tell you what to teach, we teach you how to teach, but mm. we don't actually teach. So we're doing a lot more coaching of the training agent, what, AKA salon owner, and the apprentice at the same time. So we're kind of a third party service that does that. Um, and we've been doing that for seven years now here in Washington state. Um, and then I started ha having salons in other states that would say, hey, we wanna participate. So I went to the Department of Labor federally and said, hey, how do I do this? And they said, hey, you're already approved in Washington state. Here you go, here's an approval. So we are approved to do this in 50 states, every military base in the world and every territory. So we can do Puerto Rico and any um, American territory. The challenge we run into is only 30 of the 50 states actually quote unquote allow apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. And so we have to go through states, right? So we have to go through each individual state. So you'd mentioned you're in Pennsylvania. So we would work with whatever state agencies are necessary in Pennsylvania at, um, because the federal government won't overstep. But we provide right now we're in um, Washington, Utah, Arizona, Idaho, Michigan, we're looking at Alabama, we're adding Delaware and California, definitely, and Texas are kind of big, big on our game. So it's state by state, we're taking over. And one of the things that I find really quickly, because you asked why, I'm sorry, I'm just rambling here. You asked no, why I'm, this I'm is- I'm so in, interested in every word you're saying. <laughs> well, you asked why this was such a, a, an issue and why we don't know about this. What I found really quickly is a lot of the boards, the advisory boards in a lot of states are dr driven by beauty school owners. So they, they have no, they look at us as competition. And where I say, we're not competition. We sit side by side with cosmetology schools. We're just another opportunity. So we lower the barrier to entry. Um, we have a lot of people of color in our, in our programs for that reason. Barbers have been doing apprenticeship very well for years. So mm -hmm. they seem to be the ones that jump on a lot of rural areas. Like I'm here in Pampa, Texas right now in the middle of nowhere. The nearest school is three hours away. If some young person here wanted to become a hairdresser, they have to physically pay and relocate themselves. Mm -hmm. So we remove, we, we work with a lot of rural areas in Washington state. We have a lot of islands. So San Juan Island. So we're doing a lot of rural where people don't actually physically have to come back to the mainland. So we fill a gap that these schools haven't been able to fill and we do it much differently. And I think we sit side by side well, but unfortunately we're being throttled a little bit because some of these boards are, are school owners and they see us more as a threat and um, hold us back just a little bit. So I know I'm going to rile well, on the, on the flip that. side, something that has been an issue for years is beauty schools thriving on the government aid that they get and not really caring. And it's not all of them. Yep. I'm not saying all of them, but most that I've seen, it was more about their pockets getting lined with the money. I sponsored a student, you know, before any of this was available years ago, she could not afford beauty school. And I said, she had gone and had so many hours and then dropped out because she couldn't afford it. So I went to the school and I said, what's it going to take to get her back in school and get her hours to count? And they said, right. you have to put up a thousand dollars for her and then we'll get her the government, whatever. And then if she doesn't finish and she doesn't follow through on her contract, you don't get your money back. So I was like, okay, it's worth a thousand dollars. She's a good kid. Of course right. she burnt me and she didn't finish. And I never course, got my thousand dollars, but I was like, 
there's something so wrong with the way that everything yep. is set up. It's almost like when people foster children to get the money from the government and they don't care about yep. the child, but that's how I feel like beauty school has gotten. And there has Absolutely. to be a better way. Well, and the vetting process is off. It's all about the money. And can I get this kid in? And I will be the first to say, you are correct. Not all beauty schools are like this, but unfortunately, more often than not, they are, are. which is sad. And number two, I remember teaching in a school in my area and the owner of the school came to me. I taught the night program and which meant I had adult learners. So they, these people were a little bit more serious. So we'd hold their iron to the fire a little bit. And she came to me and she said, I don't want you to hold them responsible. I want you to go easy until they hit 51% of completion. Because at 51% of completion, they get to keep all of the funding and money that came through. She didn't want them dropping that was out my, before she got her other check. Wow. Right. So shame on them for doing that. The school is no longer around. So I feel comfortable of saying that. But <laughs> it, it, you know, it, 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 that type of behavior, like that was my first red flag that this system is broken. We sincerely have a problem. And what's sadder yet is the massage industry is having the exact same problem that we're having times 10. So, mm. I mean, they, they turn and burn. We're, we're, we're putting people in that are not long-term fits for our industry by any sense of the word. And the, the theme right now on all social media is I need help. I have so many yep. clients I don't know what to do with. And I'm thinking, God, that never happened when I was coming yeah. up. Like we had to fight for every client. There were so many hairdressers and so many Big, oh, yeah. big salons with 50 plus employees. Now everything just keeps shrinking to the point of solo suite owners and not any big salons. So everything oh, has yeah. turned upside down, but the schooling is still that it's like a scab for me. I just keep picking uh -huh. it. It'll go away. I'll be like, I'm doing my thing. I'm helping people once they're done school, I'm picking up and helping them from that point forward. Right. But I think most of the people that join me in my membership are beaten up so bad they're they're 10 years in and they're discouraged and they're not confident and they're getting poor results and they're barely making minimum wage and scrapping you know scraping by to survive and i'm like if they would have gotten the better foundation they would be mm -hmm. at six figures with 10 within 10 years instead of being oh, yeah. at minimum wage so more of us have to care the way that you're caring and try you know i can't tell you every podcast interview i do i'm like how can we get together and help this problem? How can we collectively right. fix this? And my mind goes in a million different directions and it always comes back to the monetization. I'm thinking I, I'm fueled by passion. I love money and I need money to live, but that's not ever my first thing. So when I try to gather people and they're like, well, how much am I getting paid? I'm like, I don't know about that part yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right, you have to exactly. have the passion to, to get on board and then we'll all figure it out. So right. I'm anxious to hear, I mean, you don't have to get into it on the podcast, but I really want no, to know good. how you get into that financially, where I know you can't take care of all those states and all of those schools. So do you have a big staff? How does that all work? What, you know, what is involved <laughs> on the daily? It's, it's, I'm exhausted well, just listening to what you do. <laughs> Well, we have, uh, we have, this is kind of strange. We actually can handle all of the states because we aren't actually, the, the thing to understand is, and it's weird, we don't actually teach. So we give all of the information and teach people how to teach and what they need to teach. So the thing to understand is first things first is when the state exam is taken to get licensed, there literally is only two things they look at, safety and sanitation. When we measure a performance exam inside of our um, apprenticeship. There are three things we look at. We look at safety, sanitation, and salon readiness. They at the 
uh, the practical boards cannot evaluate technique. So they are not looking at how you did the haircut. They are looking at, did you do it safe and sanitary? So they're not going to, even if it's a, it can be, it, the haircut can be off. If it's four inches off, obvious, if it's blatantly obvious that you're doing a uniform layered haircut and you got four inches different, yeah, duh. But it has to be blatantly off. So I'm not as worried about the technique of how the haircut's done. The salon owner is. I'm not as worried about that over here. I'm worried about was it done in a safe and sanitary and are they salon ready more than anything else? So yes, we can actually do this in, in 50 states. So what we do is I have two sets of staff. One is administrative, they're all under 30. And then I, and I tell everybody up front and all of my coaching staff is typically over 60. So what I like to hire is I hire the, excuse the expression, I'm gonna quote Gary Call here, the oldie moldy hairdresser, beauty school instructor that's living on oxygen, social security, retirement, can't stand behind the chair. And I teach them how to be digital. And their job is to, they have a caseload of apprentices and training salon. So they train the salon how to teach. They train them on the content and help them create a plan on how they're going to implement it. Because that's the hardest part as a salon owner is, I, what do I need to teach? Because right we want to, yes. we want to, we want to teach everything. And the problem is, we need to dial it back for a second and understand you have to start from zero. They don't even know how to hold shears. So you're over here teaching color correction in your mind, and that's great, but they don't know red, yellow, and blue. So we give the structure over here that can then be built off of, and say start here, and we have to do a minimum standard of expectation. And so we have a co coaches that do that. And I love the beauty school instructors for that. They're great um, because they, they've seen the structure and they can take the classroom and put it real. So we help the salon owner put it into a structure that works within their salon where they can implement the apprentice in a way that is productive and profitable. So we teach the skills that are used the most, the fastest, obviously shampooing and blow drying and color application are going to be the easiest. The hardest to teach is going to be haircutting. So we organize it in that pattern that works for the salon and help them in that way. And then our coach meets with the training agent once a month and they meet with the apprentice once a month. Where are you at? What do you need to do? And make sure their hours are being fulfilled. We work with uh, Pivot Point Platform. And we do that through our Canvas Learning Lab, which is a Canvas is an online learning lab um, as well. And the reason we do that is because Pivot Point has the best online learning experience. And it's the most, um, when you go to take the, the written test uh, for the state boards, it's drawn from Pivot Point or Milady. So we really only have one of two uh, curriculums that we have to use. So we chose Pivot Point as well. And it is a hairdresser driven company at the end of the day. So that's part of why we do that. So we use that for all of our theoreticals. They watch videos, they have interactives, they have the book, they have um, learning experience toolboxes is what we call them. So they can pick what learning experiences they want. And then they have to evidence them back towards it, towards us that the skill was demonstrated, that the skill was practiced, and then they have to show us performance and then they have to take a written. And then we quantify all of that and track it. So it's legally defensible to any state agency. If they came back to us and said, did you test them? We can say, yes, we have 144 tests as a matter of fact. So it's it's not a small undertaking by sure. So we provide the structure quintessentially. The salon just needs to provide the ability to pay, number one, because this is a paid position and the ability to take the time to train. The biggest mistake I find is salons get involved thinking they want an assistant. 
Don't confuse this as an assistant. This is an apprentice. Our part of their job is assisting, but we need to get them past that into actually standing behind the chair and being a regular service provider. So here's an interesting number. 87.2% of our apprentices are still doing hair seven years later. Wow. Okay? That's a big deal. Number two is that our apprentices on average are working at 75% productivity by the time they finish the program. Wow. So if you, if you think about the beauty school journey, they get out of school, they've spent a, a year, give or take, 18 months getting a license. They got a license. They spend another year, 18 months building a clientele and figuring out what the hell they're going to do, either under a structured program with somebody or not, or they just don't figure it out and they, they drop off. What we've done is we've taken that whole experience and gone like this because they've never seen it done wrong. They're standing next to somebody that knows the pre-book, knows how to retail, knows how to time manage. They know all of these wonderful skills, whether they're an incredible hairdresser or not, isn't the point. They know everything else about managing a business and that's them behind the chair. Whether it's booth rent or whether it's in a commission salon, it doesn't make a bit of difference. They're taught to be successful from the very beginning because they've never seen it modeled wrong at any point. And it works. So as far as payment, does the, does the apprentice pay anything? Does the salon owner pay? Like how does the the money part happen where it's a benefit to everybody? So in my program, there's an initial enrollment cost for the salon and that gets you your state approvals and gets your class access and your curriculum. And we start coaching you. The apprentice has a one-time fee that gets them what we call their seat in the curriculum as well. Um, and that, that comes to us. And then the, the salon pays a monthly fee to us on a regular basis. So they pay us to participate in the program. We do have a freeze fee. So if you're not running an apprentice and you want to stay in the program, there's a small freeze fee at the end. If you want to just kind of hold still for a hot second, you can absolutely do that. The salon simultaneously um, should, should be utilizing the apprentice to be more productive. That's ultimately the goal so that you can bring in more money. So initially, I would say they're on the front desk. If you have a front desk, they're going to be assisting. You want to get them assisting as fast as possible, meaning shampoos, blow dry. So about 25 to 30% of your workload is taken off so that you can produce more as a master stylist. And then ultimately, they go from there to standing behind the chair. So they should be producing some dollars for you. And that's where some of the profitability comes into place. Now, as far as charging the apprentice, that varies from state to state to state. Some states don't allow that. Some states cap it. Some states do allow that. I tell the training agent, if you are going to charge the apprentice, which you are absolutely allowed to do, all that I ask is please do not charge the same that they would for traditional school because we want to lower that barrier to entry. And you have to have it agreed upon and written out before they even start the process. You can't get going and then go, well, you're going to pay. I'm not, that's, that's a big, that's a red flag. No, no. So, and I have some salons that charge, some salons that charge sweat equity, some salons that don't charge whatsoever. So, but a little skin in the game, I think is a good thing. And is the, the process longer than traditional beauty school because it's an apprenticeship? It does it go by the apprentice hours. Yeah, it, it typically goes by um, what we call OJT or OJL on the job learning hours. There's one set of hours for that. Um, the smallest program for an apprenticeship typically is only 2,000 hours. So this is going to be more than 2,000 hours. 2,000 hours equates out to one year at full time. 
So you're looking at anywhere from one year to 18 months for the longest program. Um, in Michigan, it's based off of years. So you're going to be in the program for two years. So it's a little bit different, but you're, it's still kind of time-based. Um, and then this, there's a second set of hours called RTI or RSI, which is related supplemental instruction. That's all the written testing. That's all the theoretical. That's all the study time. That's quantified through us. We take care of all of that. We quantify that and we report that to the appropriate agencies for the salon. And that's part of what we do as a program is all of that reporting, tracking, paperwork, documentation that's expected. We take care of all of that because you're, you need to, you're growing a salon. I mean, your first priority is the salon and growing this person into an amazing service provider. You don't have to be bogged down with all that paperwork. That's our job. That's, I mean, you've basically solved every one of my things that I could never figure out. <laughs> that, that's, because that's everyone, every salon owner at some point or another is that person on Facebook saying, I just can't find a hairstylist. Yep. And my answer is always, the best thing we've ever done is train within and start them fresh uh -huh. from school. And people don't want to take the time to do the training. I always, that always th thrilled me to see them grow and have oh, these yeah. aha moments and see them turn into my one colorist that's still with me today. Set, I think 18 years in when she was right out of beauty school, she was so hungry and anything I ever showed her, she listened, she trusted she was driving a Mercedes. I was driving around yeah. a beat up mom Vinny, minivan and she's driving around she's in a brand new Mercedes. Home. But I was yep. so proud of how far she went because she was open to criticism and construct, you know, constructive criticism yeah. and, and coaching and training. And to your point about the drop, I mean, that is amazing that you have that percentage of people still in it. I've often compared us to the European system. You know, anytime yes. I'm, I'm interviewing somebody from Australia, Ireland, or the UK, I'm like, why has the United States not taken on your uh -huh. idea of being, you know, it's, it's hair college. It's not just get in, get out, yep. learn about sanitation. It's actual practical, you know, behind the chair skill. So for the salon owner, how much extra is it for them as far as a time commitment for them to take on an apprentice? Is it something they do? collectively as a salon where other stylists help with the apprentice or is right. just the owner with them? How does all that part work? Well, you can structure it however you want. It's all about how much of a control freak are you? <laughs> so you have to decide how much of this you want to do. And the first thing I would tell people is you're going to have to probably pass some of this off. So if you have multiple layers, you know, in California, obviously you're going to have sweet owners a lot that it's going to be solely on them and totally get that. But in other salons, like in Pennsylvania, you have commission salons, you're probably going to have a team of two or three. So this person teaches haircutting, this person teaches color, this person teaches this. And that's part of what we do is keep them on the path and say, okay, here's what you need to be doing here. Who is that person in your salon? Let's talk to the salon owner and figure out, you know, who's going to be teaching you your color brand. That might be your distributor in a lot of cases. So if your color brand is, you know, Davines or Tuto or whatever, you may have to, they may have to send you off to that distributor and they're going to be doing it. So it's not always about necessarily teaching as much as it is facilitating the knowledge and the flow. That's more important than anything else. And to your point, it is the most rewarding thing. And this is what we look for when we vet salons to watch somebody grow and to become more than what they are. And it is, it's so validating when you see that experience. That is the most amazing thing on the planet, like what you said. So that's kind of what our program is all about.
Well, that was my next question. How do you go about finding the salon, the host salon? I love that you're doing all of the theory virtually because I've been yes. fighting for that. I'm like, there's no reason to sit in a classroom and have a teacher read out of a textbook oh, to you. It's, it's an embarrassing waste me. of time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Drives me nuts. Who, you know, flagella and pathogenic bacteria, read the book, do a couple exercises and memorize. It's memorization of information. Um, and uh, real quick, our industry is what most people don't understand about education. There's explicit learning and implicit learning. Explicit learning is in a classroom. It's taught and it has a plan. Implicit learning is taught through visual. Our whole industry is 90% implicit learning. We learn by watching, seeing, and doing. There is only about 20% of our industry that's explicit. And that's the theoretical stuff like what you're, what, what you're talking about. So the way that we find training agencies, they actually find us. It's the oddest thing on the planet. Um, here in Washington State, we have apprenticeship, and if you call the Department of Licensing, they'll actually direct them. They usually direct them to me, and they find find me on the website more than anything else. And we're having a huge surge right now because of COVID, and everything's been cut off. We have people that are, you know, they went and got other jobs, and so they dropped out of the industry. And better yet, now the students coming out of school have been in virtual training hands off for a year. So. The onus of training now is on all these poor little salon owners who have to train anyway. So they're like, well, then why the hell wouldn't I just do an apprenticeship no matter no matter what? I'm doing it either way. So what we do is, is the training agent, they usually reach out to us and find us somehow. We do a lot on social media. Um, and they'll, they'll say, hey, I think I want to do this. So I send them a video kind of on uh, how everything works and what the process is, depending upon your state, and kind of walk them through it. And then they actually take an assessment test at the very end on that content of information. And really what we're looking for is we need somebody that can follow through with directions in reading and how technical you are. And then from there, um, we actually, if, if they progress forward and they pass the written assessment, it's 20 questions. It's not hard on the information that we had. From there, we do a video interview of a series of 20 questions, the video interview that goes to our vetting committee. And our vetting committee looks at all their answers to everything. And it's things like, what's your plan? What does leadership mean? What is success? How do you handle failure? You know, all of those things. What is your compensation system? Those types of things. And our vetting committee looks at it and, and makes a recommendation to our board and says, yes, these would make a great training agent. Oftentimes, we are approached by salons just looking for an assistant or, excuse the expression, slave labor. Mm -hmm. And this, this gets rid of them really quickly because they don't want to go through the process. And one of the challenges is getting the training agent to understand, I need you to understand you're going to have to plan. You're going to have to plan this as part of your business. This isn't, this person's going to show up and we're just going to kind of get to it. And as you know, you have to have a plan when you bring somebody into the salon, you have to have a plan and a structure. And that's, that's what we do and holding them accountable to that. So that's the beginning of our vetting process. That's absolutely amazing. And then how do you Thanks. fit in all of the, the board certified <laughs> stuff along with it? I guess once you get people set up that the, yeah. the work is pretty much done until they're done, you right. know, as far as it, that goes. Once you get the workflows in place, getting people vetted, it's just managing them in through the process, where are they at in their training process, and then their coaches usually take over and manage them day in, day out, and answer their questions so that I'm not having to field a lot of that. The board certified hair colors comes into place because um, one of the challenges that 
the previous, our predecessors, the American Board of Certified Hair Colors had, they were reliant on a board that stands behind the chair. And if you're standing behind the chair and you're in the middle of a pandemic, what is your priority? The salon, the chair, your clients. This happens to be secondary. This requires a lot of desk time. People don't understand mm. facilitating a test like that requires a lot of desk time. So it requires somebody that understands the process, but also sitting at the desk. So between Tony, Peggy, and myself, we have desk time. So we can register, we can get people put in, we can explain the process, you know, all that happy jazz. So we're already sitting at a desk. So it was just add one more thing. Basically what we did, uh, it was the conversation started with Peggy and I at the beginning of February. We circled Tony back into it and we created the whole, recreated the whole certification in a matter of 90 to 120 days. So we had to stop everything that we were doing and put all of our efforts into this. Uh, but once it's up, now it's just refine the curriculum, you know, change the system here or change the system there, but the pieces and parts are moving because I already had an administrative staff. I already had people that could do the data entry, um, such as the, the, the directory for the Board of Certified Hair Colors. Um, and can put the information in. So we already have the structure set in place and it's very easy just to utilize that rather than trying to find somebody to find time separated from a chair to be able to do that type of stuff. So it's been it's been fun. The painful part is social media. Makes me wanna pull my eyebrows out, but I think that's I'm, everybody's fun. I'm with you 100%. <sighs> I, I try to not give up and be present and show <sighs> up and I just... I love when someone, I just got a note this morning on Facebook and this girl said, I stumbled upon a video of you on YouTube and I love the way that you make it so simple. And I was just like, if it could just be that simple every day that someone would just stumble <laughs> upon my YouTube, because yeah. there's so much passion for me and so much love for this industry, anything hair color related. Like I said, I could talk all day and night about hair color and, and the amazing career oh, yeah. that I've been able to have because of hair color. Um, but I want to be so much more than what I, like when I hear you talking, I'm like, I want to do that. I want to, I want to be an apprentice salon for you. I want to do this. I want to do that. And there's only one of me and right. my strength has never been delegation. I am a total control freak. Every time I even attempt to delegate, I end up redoing everything and the people right. don't have as much passion for what I'm trying to do. Um, so I get my own way basically of being big, a bigger business than I am. Um, the, the name of my business is Expert Color Solutions. And I can't tell you how many people, when they get to know me, they're like, you mean, it's just you? Like, it sounds like this company, you know, Expert yep. Color Solutions. Yep. I want it to feel official, but I didn't think that it would feel so official that people would think it was this gigantic. So when I answer someone right away, they're like, oh my gosh, you answered me so fast. Right. I'm like, yeah, it's just me. <laughs> it's right. not that hard. Um, so and now I'm torn at this stage of my career with my brain wants to explode with how much I want to pour into the next right. generation that I, when you're learning from me, it's almost like taking a sip of water out of a fire hose. Like I, to your point earlier, where you're like, you know, as a salon owner and a coach, you just want to dump everything and yes. get them there quicker. And it's hard to pull back and remember what you don't know. Um, I just did a yep. training recently with two of our new hires. And also to your point about COVID, they have never touched a human head, their whole beauty school experience was I, it, digital. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that the craziest thing? I mean, I get why they have to do that, but it, in my world, we were already doing digital. So COVID, right. I want to say it affected us, but it didn't affect us 
nowhere near the same way as it did at beauty school. So sorry. No, same, same here. Luckily I was already set up for online education. That was my whole business. So COVID, I almost had a little bit of survivor guilt. I'm like, this is the best thing that ever happened to my business because everybody's home. (laughs) I'm like, I hate to say it. We're kind of thriving. We're doing, we're doing okay with this pandemic. Because prior I had reached out to beauty schools and said, there's, again, there's only one of me. And my goal is to do a beauty school tour and get to as many beauty schools as I can and share, you know, give them a level finder in my book and get them started with like seeing color in a different way. And I'm not getting the response that I'd like to get. They're not calling me back. They could care less because of what we talked about earlier. So it's frustrating. And I thought if I could just get in touch with them and have them embrace, and this is all pre-COVID, if I could just have them embrace the Zoom education where I can be in their classroom on a TV. TVs are like less than $200 now. Yeah. Yeah. And I reached out to a salon owner an hour from me here in Florida. And he's like, no, we really need you to come in person. So I drove there and I did the in-person and there was six students. It was the night class. I'm thinking I could have so done this in my pajama bottoms Uh with a nice shirt on and nobody would have known the difference. It was all lecture anyway. So right. I think now moving forward, when I reach out to a school, they'll be more open to me jumping on doing a Zoom class and, and have the kids get as much value. But it took, I mean, everything's just so outdated and so lagged oh, yeah. with what's going on that it's so frustrating. So kudos to you for just well, thank making you. it happen. Now, is Pennsylvania up for it? Because they're always the hardest with everything. We don't have alcohol oh, yes. in our convenience stores in Pennsylvania. Oh, yes. Thank you, dear. Um, yes, as a matter of fact, they're they're up for it. It's interesting because um, there was there was a uh, President Trump actually signed an executive order in regarding apprenticeship, and then it was to be embraced. So we're finding states that may not necessarily have embraced it. We are revisiting the conversation with us uh, more than anything else. And the fact that COVID has created such a problem, that they're finding that apprenticeship is a much more viable option for a lot of people right now, and especially a program like ours where we can get people back to work more than anything else very, very quickly and get them off the unemployment rolls. That's it. So we're, we're, we are literally inundated. And that was your question was, is how do you, I had to delegate because a couple of things happened. I learned really quickly from a couple of examples. Um, Andre from the American Board of Certified Hair Colors is a great example. He had a stroke in 2019, I believe it was before COVID happened. And Andre did everything himself mm. and he relied on every, he wouldn't, he really, even though people wanted to participate, he really controlled everything as much as he could. Problem with that is the boat, the sink, the boat was sinking because he now was put out of commission. So you're watching this kind of spiral happen. Number one, number two, in my own personal company, as soon as we hit a hundred apprenticeship salons, just in Washington state, what would happen is I would get emails, phone calls daily. And if a third of them called and had just the smallest problem, and it was just me that had the answer, I was spending a week just responding to people. And then they would be mad because I couldn't grow the business. So that's when I really quickly learned, okay, I have to step outside of this and I have to train somebody else to take the wheel in some of these things. And I heard the best phrase insulate, not isolate. This isn't about isolating you away from other people. It's about insulating you from the minor details. So train somebody else to be able to take over those minor details that are important. They're important, but at the same time, it allows you to grow 
your business. You're too busy in the business to be working on the business. I love that. Is, Michael is Gerber. this program of yours doable? For, for me, I live in Florida now and it's so yeah. hot in the summer. It's miserable. So my goal was to do the beauty school tour in the summer and get to states that are a little cooler and spread out, right. you know, over the country. Yeah. But of course, COVID second, second wave put the kibosh on that. So yeah. I keep looking for what can I do with, you know, between, because I don't want to move back to Pennsylvania. That's not an option. I love it here, but it's just too hot in the summer. So from like May to October, I have a lot of time on my hands, but the other time of the year, I don't want to have all that responsibility. Is this something that I could do in that window where I can make that my summer project? Or is it something that it takes the entire 18 months and it's one person hands-on kind of thing? You mean as far as a salon owner or as managing a program? As managing a, coach? a program for coaching apprentices. Okay. If you're managing a program as a coach, uh, well, I'll, I'll just share with you. I'm in Tampa, Texas right now in the middle of nowhere. I'm from Seattle, Washington, and I'm managing the program from here. All you need is good internet access. So, and a lot of my coaches are like that. They're 60 to 70 years old and they're, you know, they manage this around their doctor's appointments around life. So they're booking. I, I do say Mondays are, have to be your office day because most hairdressers, or, or apprentices or salons, Monday's the most important day. Outside of that, you schedule it around what works for you and wherever you're at, because we're doing everything virtual. We're doing Zoom calls, we're doing phone calls, we're doing emails. As long as the work gets done, it doesn't matter. And more often than not, the apprentice is in the salon during work hours. So it's gotta be in the morning. Well, I'm thinking more the, the apprentice part, the actual hands-on showing them how to do oh. the techniques in the salon. So that would have to be the um, full time, right? Yeah, that would that would have to be the full time if you were going to be the if you were going to be the information provider for the whole program. So as a salon owner, if you were to delegate it out and have this person do this, this person do this, you would simply be calendaring and managing. But if you chose to teach it yourself all the way through. Yeah, you're going to have to be dedicated with them for 18 months. And it's just clear communication. If you're going to take some time off, then that person needs to be able to take some time off if you're going to be in a one-to-one -one situation as well. As far as having other staff jump in and help, that's always been the issue for us is we know how talented our employees are, but they're busy with their own husbands, children, outside the salon right. things, they're busy behind the chair. How does that work? Compensation wise, do your owners compensate people within the salon and have them take over pieces of it? How do they even come up with the amount? How does that all work? Well, there's about a million different ways you can do it. You need to think about compensation. It can either be direct money or it can be a myriad of other things. So in a lot of salons, the busiest stylist will have an apprentice and not be charged for it. The salon will pay for it because they can produce more, but the trade-off is you're gonna be working smarter, not harder, but you have to train this person. So it's not necessarily money initially that's doing it, it's time that's doing it. I have some salons that will do compensation that way. I have other salons that will say, hey, we're gonna give you another percentage in commission. So instead of 50%, you're getting 51% commission or a couple percents, whatever the case may be is, for as a trade-off for being able to do this with an apprentice. So there's a million different ways. You do have to think about time as a consideration. It's absolutely a consideration. So how are you gonna compensate that person? Is it gonna be more time off? Is it they're gonna be able to work smarter? Nine times out of 10, 
the person that is doing the training is also the one working with them behind the chair. So they're able to produce more dollars anyway. So it offsets that um, in whatever they're doing. That makes sense. I just love everything you're saying. I love everything you're doing. I wish that the disruption was contagious and more people in our industry <laughs> would find a way to disrupt some things um, and, and find new ways of doing things. So keep doing what you're doing. I am so impressed by you. Um, oh, thank you. So happy that you took the time to do this interview. And I'm sure oh, everyone pleasure. listening is like, who is this man and how do I find him and get in touch with him? So how can people find you and, and jump on board with all of this? One of two ways. Um, if you go to our website, um, the name of my company is Adarashi, A-T-A-R-A-S-H-I-I, Adarashi.org. You can Google us. Adarashi is Japanese. It means new and fresh. So it's a whole different way of doing it. Um, that's for the apprentice program. If you want to find me through the Board of Certified Hair Colors, if you just Google Board of Certified Hair Colors, jesse at boardofcertifiedhaircolors.com, you can email me directly, uh, jesse at adarashi.org, if you want to ask questions about the apprenticeship program. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, everyone listening, I hope you reach out to Jesse and connect in one of one of three million things that he's doing yeah, for our industry. Okay. Hit me. <laughs> thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. And thank you everyone My for pleasure. listening. Thanks we'll for having me. See you on me. the next one. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.